Chapter Four of the Giraffe Hunters. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Johns, Salt Lake City, Utah. The Giraffe Hunters by Thomas Maine Reed. Chapter Four, In the Pits. As time passed on, however, and Swartboy saw that the sun was descending and that the shades of night would soon be gathering over the river his hopes began to sink within him. He could not understand why the young hunter had not long ago come to release them. Groot Willem, Hedrick, and Hans should have returned by that time, and the four should have made an effectual search for their missing servants. He had remained silent for a long time, under very peculiar circumstances, but silence now became unbearable, and he was seized with a sudden desire to express his dissatisfaction at the manner fate had been dealing at events, a desire no longer to be resisted. The silence was at last broken by his calling out, Congo, you old fool, where are you? What for don't you go home? On the Kaffir's ear the voice fell dull and distant, and yet he immediately understood whence it came. Like himself, the bushman was in a living grave, that explained his neglect to render the long-desired assistance. "'Lor, Swart, why, I waitin' for you,' answered Congo, for the first time since his imprisonment attempting a smile. "'I don't want to go to the camp and leave you behind me.' "'You think a bit sight too much of yourself,' rejoined the bushman. "'Who wants to be near such a black old fool as you? "'You may go back to the camp, and when you get there, just tell Boss Hendrick, that Swartboy wants to see him. I've got something peculiar to tell him. Very well, answered the Kaffir, becoming more reconciled to his position. What for you want to see Boss Hendrick? I'll tell him what you want without making him come here. What shall I say? In answer to this question, Swartboy made a long speech, in which the Kaffir was requested to report himself as a fool for having fallen into a pit that he had shown himself more stupid than the sea-cows that had apparently shunned the trap for years on being requested to explain how one was more stupid than the other both having met with the same mischance swartboy went on to prove that his misfortune was wholly owing to the fault of congo by the kaffir having committed the first folly of allowing himself to be entrapped nothing to the bushman's mind could be more clear than that congo's stupidity in falling into the first pit, had led to his own downfall into the second. This was now a source of much consolation to him, and the verbal expression of his wrongs enabled him, for a while, to feel rather happy at the fine opportunity afforded for reviling his rival. The amusement, however, could not prevent his thoughts from returning to the positive facts that he was imprisoned, that in place of passing the day in cooking and eating diker, he had been fasting and fretting in a dark, dirty pit in the companionship of loathsome reptiles. His mind now expanding under the exercise of a startled imagination, he became apprehensive. What if some accident should have occurred to Arend and prevented his return to the camp? What if Groot Willem and the others should have strayed and not find their way back to the place for two or three days? He had heard of such events happening to other stupid white men and why not to them? What if they had met a tribe of the savage inhabitants of the country, and been killed or taken prisoners? 
These conjectures, and a thousand others, flitted through the brain of the Bushman, all guiding to the conclusion that, should either of them prove correct, he would first have to eat the reptiles in the pit, and then starve. It was no consolation to him to think that his rival in the other pit would have to submit to a similar fate. His unpleasant reveries were interrupted by a short, angry bark, and, looking up to the opening through which he had descended, he beheld the countenance of a wild dog, the wild honden of the Dutch boars. Uttering another and a different cry, the animal started back, and from the sounds now heard overhead, the bushman was certain that it was accompanied by many others of its kind, and instinctive fear of man led them to retreat for a short distance, but they soon found out that the wicked flee when no man pursueth, and they returned. They were hungry, and had the sense to know that the enemy they had discovered was, for some reason, unable to molest them. Approaching nearer and more near, they again gathered around the pits, and saw that food was waiting for them at the bottom of both. They could contemplate their victims unharmed, and this made them courageous enough to think of an attack. The human voice and the gaze of human eyes had lost their power, and the pack of wild hounds, counting several score, began to think of taking some steps towards satisfying their hunger. They commenced scratching and tearing away the covering of the pits, sending down a shower of dust, sand, and grass that nearly suffocated the two men imprisoned beneath. The poles supporting the screen of earth were rotten with age, and the whole scaffolding threatened to come down as the wild dogs scampered over it. If there should be a shower of dogs, thought Swartboy, I hope that fool Congo will have his share of it. This hope was immediately realized for the next instant he heard the howling of one of the animals evidently down in the adjoining pit. It had fallen through, but fortunately for Congo, not without injuring itself in a way that he had but narrowly escaped. The dog had got transfixed on the sharp-pointed stake, planted firmly in the center of the pit, and was now hanging on it in horrible agony, unable to get clear. Without lying down in the mud, the Kaffir was unable to keep his face more than twelve inches from the open jaws of the dog, that in its struggles spun round as on a pivot, and Congo had to press close against the side of the pit to keep out of the reach of the creature yelping in his ears. Swartboy could distinguish the utterances of this dog from those of its companions above, and the interpretation he gave to them was that a fierce combat was taking place between it and the kaffir the jealousy and petty ill-will so often exhibited by the bushman was not so strong as he had himself believed his intense anxiety to know which was getting the best of the fight added to the fear that congo was being torn to pieces told him that his friendship for the kaffir far outweighed the animosity he fancied himself to have felt the fiendish yells of the dogs, the unpleasant situation in which he was placed, and the uncertainty of the time he was to endure it, were well-nigh driving him distracted, when just then the wild Honden appeared to be beating a retreat, the only one remaining being that in the pit with Congo. What was driving them away? Could assistance be at hand? Breathlessly, the bushman stood listening. End of chapter 4 Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah.